Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. those who are able to please stand for our first lesson. It comes from Leviticus in the 26th chapter. We're reading the first 13 verses. Listen now to the Word of God. You shall make for yourselves no idols and erect no carved images or pillars, and you shall not place figured stones in your land to worship at them, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my statutes and keep my commandments and observe them faithfully, I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall overtake the vintage, and the vintage shall overtake the sowing, and you shall eat your bread to the full and live securely in your land." And I will grant peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and no one shall make you afraid. I will remove dangerous animals from the land, and no sword shall go through your land. You shall give chase to your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall give chase to a hundred, and a hundred of you shall give chase to ten thousand. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword." And I will look with favor upon you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will maintain my covenant with you. And you shall eat old grain long stored, and you shall have to clear out the old to make room for the new. And I will place my dwelling in your midst, and I shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be their slaves no more, and I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Please be seated. We invite all those who are able to stand for our second reading, which comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 19, as we continue to make our way. Starting in verse 11 through 20. Listen now what God wants to say to the church this morning through the Spirit. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that when the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit said to them in reply, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered them all, and so overpowered them that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. When, the spirit, when this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, 
both Jews and Greeks, and everyone was awestruck, and the name of the Lord was praised. Also, many of those who became believers confessed and disclosed their practices. A number of those who practiced magic collected their books and burned them publicly. When the value of these books was calculated, it was found to come to 50,000 silver coins. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I've never intentionally pretended to be someone that I'm not. But if you turn on the TV today, uh, you'll find out that that's not the case with everyone. Uh, A couple of years ago, I was flipping through the channels and uh, was, I think, an evening and Joy was at a meeting or something, and I was trying to find something to watch. So I was flipping through the channels as we do. And I turned to uh, MTV, which hasn't been music television for quite some time, as we all know. Uh, But I was intrigued by this show that was ongoing. I kind of caught it middle way through, and so I began watching. Uh, Like many shows on MTV, it was kind of like a train wreck in process, right? It was a show called Catfish. Has anybody out here seen or know what catfish is. Don't be afraid. You can raise your hands, right? Okay, it was first a documentary, and then it turned into this reality TV show on MTV. The premise of the show is simple. There are people out there pretending to be someone they're not. And in the show, it's all around romantic relationships. And so the people in the show, it's kind of a a reality deal. So the producers of the show come And they interview people and they figure out, okay, well, who is it that you're in a relationship with? And you're suspicious that they might not be who they seem. And so then they begin to investigate. And pretty much every time, not every time, but like 75% of the time, what happens is that you find out it's a lie. That the relationship that this person thinks they have is fake. That it's not real. That they've been pretending to be someone they're not. This kind of came into public consciousness a few years ago when there was a a football player named Manti Teo who played for Notre Dame. Uh, He was kind of a Heisman candidate of sorts. He was having a great year. He now plays uh, for the San Diego Chargers. And his mother had passed away. And he had this girlfriend who had also reportedly passed away. And people were praising him for his senior season playing with such resolve while dealing with the emotional loss of both a mother and a girlfriend. Only for the news to report, I don't know if any of you remember this story, it was was quite amazing, uh, that the girlfriend was a lie, that she didn't actually exist. So then there kind of began to be this whole situation trying to figure out, okay, well now who was lying? 
Was it the girlfriend or the person pretending to be this so-called dead girlfriend, or was it Manti Teo? And I think it ended with him not realizing that she was fake. He had been catfished, if you will. Now what's fascinating to me about all of this is the term catfish itself. It comes from this movie, this documentary that this man made. And in the movie, there's this quote. They begin talking about all of this fakeness happening. And he says, he tells this story. Now, a long time ago, we used to try to ship uh, Atlantic cod from here in the U.S. to Asia. And what happened in these big kind of tanks is that when the cod got to Asia, there was really nothing left of the fish. It kind of died and become mushy on its way there. It's kind of gross. But what they learned was that if you put catfish into the tank with the cod, it would arrive to Asia intact, whole, alive. The catfish provided life, energy, excitement for the cod. Kind of strange. Hence the name catfish. Pretending to be someone you're not adds excitement, life, energy to at times what seems like a pretty mundane world. Now, if you're like me, when I, when I heard that story, I was just amazed, right? That we have come to a place where we have to fake identities to feel energized and alive. Now, you might not be like Manti Teo, the football player, for a variety of reasons, but the most important one is probably because you, I hope, have never been catfished. Now, I've never been catfished. I've never been pretending to be someone I'm not to that extent where I'm lying, making up fake phone numbers and the such. But the reality is, I think if we're honest, we've all pretended to be someone we're not in one way or another, right? Not to the extent of catfish, but you get together with your high school friends and you start telling stories and what happens, right? Really quickly, that story begins to take on a life of its own. You begin to remember yourself maybe a little bit better than you were a little smarter maybe, a little faster maybe. Or you get together with some business friends or partners and you begin talking about how important you are and you just kind of maybe tell a little bit of a lie. Not really that important. Or when you talk to friends that you haven't seen in a long time, you start telling them about how wonderful things are when maybe they're not quite as wonderful as you paint them. Sometimes we don't even know we're doing this. We fake it. We pretend. When I was in college, there was this quote that was going around. Fake it till you make it. Okay, you didn't do the reading for class, it's okay, just pretend like you did. The professor won't know. Just fake it 
till you make it. No one will ever know. And I think if we're honest, uh, this is often what we do. We pretend to be something we're not. And we pretend. And we pretend. And we pretend. And pretty soon, like our friends in the Catfish movie and TV show, we begin to believe the lie that we're telling. And what makes this even more complicated is that in a world with social media, it's so easy to fake it. We can only post the rosy, wonderful pictures of our lives, or at least like some people on my Facebook wall, we only post the really bad, awful things in our lives. We can craft our identity to look and be whatever it is we want. We don't ever have to be honest. We can fake it till we make it. In our scripture this morning, we get a glimpse of this being worked out as well. You see, Paul has been up to all kinds of things, doing all sorts of things, and we're told in the beginning of this passage that there are these pieces of cloth that he's touched along the way. I, I don't know where he touched them or how he touched them. Maybe he wiped the sweat of his brow with them. But what we do know is that people have taken these pieces of cloth and they've been able to do miracles with them, to heal sick people, to cast out demons with this piece of cloth. And this is not an unfamiliar story in the Luke-Acts book. If you you read through Luke, you might remember a story of a woman who's been bleeding. And she reaches out and she touches the hem of Jesus' cloak and is healed. And now, it's not Jesus' cloak, but Paul's that are doing amazing things. And word gets out about this. And just about the time all of this is happening, there are these brothers who roll into town. They are itinerant Jewish exorcists. Aren't you glad that's not your occupation for when people ask, so what do you do? I'm an itinerant Jewish exorcist. This is a very specific job. They're in town, and they hear about these things going on, and they find this man who is has an evil spirit within him. And they say these words. I adjure you by the Jesus that Paul proclaims. And, and then Luke gives us this really interesting kind of biographical information. They're the sons of the Jewish high priest Sceva. Now, okay, they're Jewish itinerant exorcists, and now they're of the line of a high priest. That must mean they're the real deal. That must mean they have high standing. Until we do a little bit of research and we find out that the high priest Sceva we're pretty sure never existed. And if you dig a little bit further, you'll find that the Latin word Sceva, it kind of sounds shady in and of itself, right? Sceva. Well, the Latin word, if you kind of follow it, means fake. So right here in the text, we're told from the beginning, don't believe everything you hear about these men. And then the best part of the story comes. 
The evil spirit responds. Okay, I know Jesus. And I know Paul. But who are you? Who are you? You see these seven brothers attempt to exercise a demon in the name of Jesus. A Jesus in whom they don't believe. And it doesn't go very well. Because they're faking it until they make it. But the problem is, the demon knows the truth. The evil spirit knows exactly who they are. That they're not who they seem to be. Now, we can read this story and think, man, those guys are not very smart. What do they think they're doing? But when I began thinking about my own life, I began to realize that I'm often a lot like them, right? We pray in the name of Jesus that the church believes in. But maybe I don't know if I believe in Him. Or I pray in the name of Jesus that my mom and dad believe in. But I'm not really sure if I do. I pray in the name of Jesus, that guy that lived a long time ago and we're pretty sure was raised from the dead. Often we're like these brothers, right? In our own faith lives. Pretending to be people of faith when really we're just faking it. The demon doesn't listen because he knows this power is fake. And so he jumps on these brothers. He overpowers them. And they run away screaming in terror. Their identities as frauds are proven true. And in typical Lucan style, the response of the people in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, is what? They're not terrified of this strange happening of this kind of religious leaders and this evil spirit. No, they are amazed. They're in awe. And they respond by believing in Jesus Christ. In fact, we're told that some of them who practice magic Burn their books. Good old-fashioned book burning. And we're even given the amount of money that these books are worth, which is no small sum. You see, they have to answer that question, who are you? And in this moment, they see the power of God at work in the name of Jesus Christ. And they know that they are God's chosen, beloved children. They make a life change. They walk away from their magic, their worldview that they find to be fake when confronted with the reality of Jesus Christ. It isn't just Paul's Jesus anymore to these believers in Ephesus. He is their Jesus their Lord, their Savior. Friends, our identity is in Jesus Christ. 
And if it isn't rooted in Jesus Christ, then we're just faking it. Only when we come to terms with who we are as God's creatures, God's created, beloved children, can we begin to live as we really are. The people in Ephesus got this. They turned from their false things, their fake ideas, and began living their true lives. In our Old Testament reading this morning, we heard God say to the Israelites, you will be my people and I will be your God. That's who we are. God's people. But the reality is that often we forget it and we fake it, pretending to be something we're not. That's why we say a prayer of confession week after week after week after week. Because week after week, we forget who we belong to. We forget that we don't have to fake it anymore. That when as parents we just feel like we don't understand, but yet we continue to put on this face like we've got it all figured out, that we don't have to anymore. That when our relationships are crumbling around us, we don't have to pretend that that's not the case. We can be honest with God and with one another. That when we find ourselves in financial ruin or trouble, we don't have to say, business is great. And then when we just aren't sure about what we believe about God, we don't have to pretend like we do. We can be honest. In Christ, we no longer have to fake. In Christ, we can be exactly who God made us to be. His people, chosen. His beloved. We can raise our hands and be honest. We don't have to fake it that we're insecure, that we don't have it all together. Because in Christ, we're found. And in Christ, we have meaning. We have identity. This morning we're going to partake in the sacrament of Holy Communion. And this morning is World Communion Sunday, where churches all around the world, of every stripe, color, nation, tongue, will take this sacrament. Presbyterians, Lutherans, Catholics, Baptists, And what happens at this table is the reminder, the physical reminder that we don't have to fake it anymore. Because when we take the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, when we eat it, when we taste it, the real presence of Christ is with us. And we can be assured that in Christ, we are a new creation. At this table... We can leave the lies of the world behind. We can leave our fakeness behind. We can come as broken people. Because every single person that comes to this table, 
everywhere in the world, we all come the same. People in need of the gift of Jesus Christ. And we can come to terms with the fact that without Christ, we are nothing. At this table, we taste and we see that the Lord is good. That the Lord is God and that we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Nothing more and nothing less. So let us leave our lies behind. Let us leave our pretense and fakeness at the door. Because we don't have to fake it till we make it. In Jesus Christ, we have everything. And in Jesus Christ, we are found and we are real. Amen.